0: Good morning, I'm Stephen, I'm the pastor here, and um, we're going to talk about service, but first I want to ask you about last week, how'd it go? Um, Last week we were were aiming at loving Jesus and seeking Jesus through theology, through learning. Um, Were you able to do anything in that direction? Um, I know for me, I spent time reading a book that was focused on several things, but what struck me was the humanity of Jesus. Um, and I spent a lot more time thinking about uh, what a sacrifice it was for Jesus to live within the limitations of being human. Um, just he, you know, Philippians two says he emptied himself uh, and took on the form of a of humanity and the form of a servant. And the idea that um, that God would limit Himself um, it encouraged me. Um, it encouraged me to remember that, like I wondered, because there's moments in the Gospels where it sounds like Jesus doesn't know something. You know, he says, who touched me? He says, no one knows the day or the hour, not even the Son of Man. And it encouraged me that God often doesn't tell me things in my life. And, um, and I need to trust him to let me know when it's important for me to know something. And um, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't have been focused on that again. I wouldn't have been reading this book that I was reading if it wasn't because of Lent. And so again, week in and week out, I hope you're seeing a pattern that you're, we want you to be able to experience Jesus in different ways. We want you to be able to walk with him and connect to him in ways that are maybe not your normal way of communion with him. And so um, join us. We've got two more weeks of Lent. We've got this week and then next week before Easter comes, and so jump in with us. Um, and today, in this week, as Mike has said, we're going to be talking about service. We're going to talk about service. And so this week, I want all of you, all of us, to seek Jesus through serving others. Okay, And so in this area, um, you got to hear about Jesus Cares. I'm going to talk a little bit more about that a little bit later. But Isaac Brown, um, one of our own, he leads this ministry every Friday across the street. And um, what's exciting about this is that people who volunteer with Jesus Cares, they consistently say that they feel like serving makes them feel more blessed than the blessing that they're giving to the people that they're serving. Um, and that's how it is, isn't it? Um, if, if you've served someone else, that feeling that you get, the approval of God, that sense that you did something that was loving and caring and sacrificial, like is, is a reward, isn't it? Um, in the process of spiritual maturity, um, just about everyone starts their relationship with Jesus. They, they, they become a Christian for what they can get. You know, Jesus offers forgiveness and hope. He offers purpose in your life. He offers strength for change. But there's a maturity transition that happens along the way. Um, and that maturity happens. You, you know this is one sign of maturity that when you sh- come to church, when you show up to church on a Sunday, you come not just to be served, but so that you can serve others. You have eyes to actually look out for others and you're coming not just to get, but to give. Um, And this happens also in life group. And when this transition happens in your life group during the week, your life group becomes your mission field. It's part of your sense of why God has you alive, why God has you here in San Diego. It's to care for this group of people. Um, Life group, truth be told, life group can become boring for people until they realize that part of their reason for being is to serve others. And so when this happens, you get this sort of confident excitement that you can actually make a difference in someone else's life by serving them, by caring about them, uh, by being there for them. And so again, this week, um, I want all of you, I want all of us to connect to Jesus through serving others. Service is a great way to experience Jesus, and that's what we're going to see today in the Bible, that service is directly tied in with communion with Jesus. All right, so we're going to read Matthew 25, verses 31 to 46. It's going to be, uh, it's in your bulletin. It's going to be up on the screens. If you have a Bible, you can turn to Matthew 25 as well. Um, It's kind of a lengthy passage, but, uh, but it's powerful. It's powerful. So, Let's read. This is Matthew 25, starting in verse 31. It says, When the Son of Man comes in his glory, and all the angels with him, then he will sit on his glorious throne. Before him will be gathered all the nations, and he will separate people one from another, as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. And he will place the sheep on his right, but the goats on his left. Let me pause here just for a second, a little farming explanation here. Um, The reason farmers do this um, is because goats have less wool, less stuff on them. They don't have wool, they have hair, right? So goats, they aren't as warm at night as sheep are. And so shepherds have to separate the sheep and the goats because they have to care for the goats in a different way than the sheep. The the goats need to be in a warmer area, and so they have to separate them. And it's kind of hard to do that because they sort of look alike. Um, One of the ways that you can tell, actually, I learned this this week, is that goats' tails go up and sheep's tails go down. So, (laughs) thank you. (laughs) All right. The Lord moves in mysterious ways, right? Um, so I hadn't thought that maybe sticking up or sticking down might be in some way related to who the sheep and the goats are in this passage. You'll have to tell me if you can make any connections there. I, I hadn't thought of any of that, but, uh, but that's what the shepherd does. And at the, and so that, that's what the son of man is going to do. He's going to separate the people like a shepherd separates a sheep from the goats. Verse 34, then the King will say to those on his right, these are the sheep, As you did not do it to one of the least of these, you did not do it to me. And these will go away into eternal punishment, but the righteous into eternal life. This is God's word. We're going to see three points in this passage today. Um, So if you want to write some things down, you can write this down first. Um, serving is meeting the needs in Jesus's family. Okay, first, serving is meeting the needs in Jesus's family. Now, when you step back and start to look at all of these things that Jesus lists, it can feel overwhelming, right? So many needs in the world, right? How can we possibly meet them all? And I mean, how do we do this? And will we be judged if we don't? And I'm not, personally, I'm not asking this question to be selfish, I don't think, but I'm trying to be realistic, right? How in the world can we meet all of the needs out there? And I think it'll help us to look at the context of this story. Context is always incredibly helpful because if we interpret the Bible the right way, we'll know how to apply it. And sometimes we misinterpret the Bible so that, and then we end up misapplying it because we didn't understand what it was trying to say. And so let me give you some context. This is one passage in a 28-chapter story about Jesus. Okay? And so Jesus is addressing a group of people who were alive around the year 33 AD. Okay? And starting in chapter 23... Right so we're in chapter 25 but starting in chapter 23 Jesus has been making predictions and now he's in chapter 25 and Jesus has been saying that the religious leaders of his day are evil they have led the entire nation astray and Jesus predicted he starts making these predictions Jesus predicted that they these religious leaders are going to be judged and removed in that generation he says that very clearly. Jesus predicted that, they, that the leaders would be judged in a catastrophe that would involve the destruction of the Jewish temple and the capital city of Jerusalem. And Jesus, again, he predicted that that would happen in that generation. So in chapters 23 through 25 of Matthew, Jesus predicts that these things are coming and Jesus tells his followers what to do. He leads his followers in terms of what to do when it happens. And Jesus describes the consequences if people follow his leadership or not. It's important because Jesus' prediction actually came true. It came true 35 years later, roughly, in 70 AD, the Roman army came and they declared war on Jerusalem. Jerusalem. And the Romans unleashed a rain of destruction on the city and on the people that were there. It was an unparalleled disaster. You can read about it if you want to read about the Jewish wars. Uh, There's a historian named Josephus who wrote all about this. Um, The glorious Jewish temple that took 46 years to build was destroyed and it was burned to the ground. The city of Jerusalem was surrounded initially, and then it was invaded. And the people in it were killed, kidnapped, imprisoned, and tortured. And so Jesus told his people that when the Romans come, as Jesus is predicting this, his instruction, his, he was leading his followers, and he said, when the Romans come, run. Run. Get out of Jerusalem. Run. Run run away because they are going to destroy everything and everyone in their path. And so when this happened in 70 AD, the Christians... Remember the words of Jesus. They were looking for this because Jesus told them to. It was part of the instruction. Um, you can read the rest of Matthew 25. It describes what you're supposed to do when this happens. It talks about being patient, it talks about making sure that you're investing and you're being prepared. And so they ran. They ran from their homes. And because they ran from their homes, they ended up homeless. And so they were hungry and thirsty. They were strangers. And they were at times sick because they were homeless and many of them were captured and imprisoned. This all happened in 70 AD. And what Jesus is saying in this passage, Jesus is saying, this passage about separating the people like a shepherd separates a sheep from the goats, Jesus is telling his people that on judgment day, they will be judged based on how they treated the members of his family during that time of destruction and flight. You follow me? And this had incredible importance to the people Jesus was talking to. He says in verse 40, he says, Truly I say to you, as you did it to one of the least of these, my brothers. Verse 45 says, Truly I say to you, as you uh, as you did not do it to one of the least of these, And so Jesus is talking specifically about the way that his people treated his family. He's saying during the upcoming trial of suffering and and torment and war, how you treat my family will determine your eternal destiny. And so that's what Jesus is saying. Now the principle of that is still true today. Jesus is saying that our judgment on the last day will take into account how we treat others in his family when they have needs. And so this isn't specifically talking about all of the needs in all of the world. Okay, Now, there are places in the Bible where it's important that we care for the needs of people that are outside. But in this passage, in this passage, Jesus is talking about how we treat members of his family. They're his brothers and sisters. And so so this is the first point. Serving Jesus is meeting needs in Jesus's family. Now, the second thing that I want to talk about today, and Mike actually already mentioned this explicitly, um, is that serving Jesus is inconvenient. Serving Jesus is inconvenient. It was for them and it was for us, or it is for us. Right In the first century, during this time of persecution and fleeing and war and plundering and imprisonment, to serve others in Jesus' family was incredibly difficult. Think about that, right? When you flee, if you were going to flee your own home, right? Maybe you bring a backpack, maybe you bring, I mean, Jesus said when they show up, just run. Don't even go back. If you're out in the field, don't go home. Just run. Go from the field and run. If you go back in, you're going to get caught and it's, you're, you're not going to get out. And so you run, you flee your own home. How are you going to have enough for yourself, let alone share what little you have with others? Right? This is not easy. When followers of Jesus are being persecuted, they're being captured, they're being imprisoned, how dangerous is it for you to publicly identify yourself with them by visiting them if they're imprisoned. I mean, inconvenience, probably an understatement back then, right? life was at stake. Your family, your family's life would have been on the line. And I think what Jesus is saying here is he's saying, yeah, you're right. Your family is on the line but I am redefining your family. In the ministry of Jesus, we see a theme. If you trace just the word brothers, in the Gospel of Matthew, you'll see um, that Jesus is saying he is redefining family. In a culture where your family was both your entire past and your entire future, Jesus is saying that my family is the group of people who are following me. So Jesus is saying, you're right, your family's life is on the line. How could you possibly forget to care for your family during a time like this? And for us today, it's the same thing. We're now part of his family, and we are family with the rest of his followers. And so, just from this passage, we can see serving Jesus in this way by meeting the needs of his family It will cost you. It's going to cost you. It'll cost you food and drink and clothes to meet needs in the family, right? This may cost you some measure of shame, right? Will you sacrifice your reputation by identifying with others who need you? It may be that you have to, in some ways, shame yourself because you have to express needs that you have to others. Certainly, this is going to cost you your time, your love, your care for others. I don't know what you think about when you think about church. Lots and lots of different ways to think about it. Some that are good, some that are bad. Um, There's lots of different things that the Bible says about what the church is. Um, The church is designed by God to be a family. Like in the best sense of the word. And it's challenging to maintain that identity as a family the larger a church gets. Um, but that's what we are. I mean, And so we try to make the church smaller with life groups. You know, where we gather together in smaller groups where you can really get to know each other. You can really be more of an intentional expression of family. But that's what we are. We're the family of God here on earth. We are one expression of God's family here. And so... All of the time that you serve here, right? On Sundays, the time in your life groups, coming to city events, like all of it is inconvenient, but it loves our family. It serves our church family. All the volunteering that you invest here, right? When you serve on a Sunday volunteer team, if you're upstairs in the kids uh, with, the, with children's church you're downstairs welcoming, um, refreshments, like all these things. It's inconvenient to show up early or to miss church because you're upstairs. It's inconvenient, but it's loving. It's serving our family. It's serving the brothers and the sisters of Jesus. And all the money that you give here, all the money you donate to the church for our regular offering, for things like our care fund, again, it's inconvenient but it loves, it's serving our family. And so today, we still struggle because we need to provide for ourselves, we need to protect ourselves, and we're sometimes afraid of sometimes being identified with other people who follow Jesus. Um, We feel like we don't have time. Um, It's uncomfortable, it's awkward to love people that are needy, who are different from us. But this is Jesus calling us to think differently about our lives. In this passage, Jesus is telling us to think about our lives differently, to think about our relationships differently, to think about our family differently. Um, and I think it's powerful to embrace this idea of family um, because like I know when I've seen other people who have, let's say, children who are that, that, that take a lot of time. Children have special needs, right? When that happens, um, usually the family doesn't ever. I, I never hear the word. Oh, I, I never hear people or families like that talk about how inconvenient it is. Like with stuff that's gone on in our own family. Like y- things happen. And you kind of you're sad about it. You wish it wasn't the case. You're but you just sort of like make it happen, right? You just accommodate it. You know, there's a point of acceptance that you get to where you're like, okay, well, it's just this is what it's going to be like for our family because we're not going to kick this person out, right? Um, We got to care for them, and so you just sort of accommodate it, and the family dynamics change to accommodate that reality, right? That that and. and I think that what Jesus is saying here is he said, you need to think about your church family that way. Um, I think that we struggle to accommodate the needs of our church family. And Jesus is saying, look, do this for those among your church family because they're my family. They're my family. So with this, I want to talk about like what exactly, how can you do this Every week we give you a little cheat sheet, it's in your bulletin there, pull that out for a second, I'm going to have a summary of it, Um, but these are pathways to Jesus during Lent, right, this week it's all about serving, Um, and so the call is to be the hands and feet of Jesus by serving those around you, right, that's the call uh, for this week. And so I want you to, you can take this, Uh, I've got a little bit of a summary, um, and um, something that, uh, just a summary that I'm going to share with you. Um, first this week, let's start by praying. Let's start by praying. I want you to pray for God's eyes. Okay. What does that mean? Well, means pray that you would see other people the way that God sees them. Okay. Pray that you would see other people in our church as members of your family, as members of God's family and look for opportunities to serve every day. All right. Two, two this week. Serve someone here today. Before you leave, do something for someone. Um, And whether it's um, through your words or through an action, do something nice for someone else before you leave. Um, That way you won't get caught, like Chad said at the beginning, right, having to sneak it in last minute and sing a theological song to make up for last week. You know, get it done now before you leave. You're like, God, I'm good. Yes, I did it. Thank you, right? Um, So serve someone here today. Third, um, join a Sunday volunteer team. We run two services, and so we've got it set out so that you can worship at one and serve at the other. We would love for every person in our church who calls this church home to be part of the family. We've got chores we have to do, and it's not sexy to talk about chores. I'm supposed to be super motivational and inspiring whenever I talk about service. Could you serve once a month on a volunteer team if you're not? We would love that. If everyone did that, um, we wouldn't have people that have to serve like two or three Sundays every month, some of whom have to miss church because they have to serve both services. So we'd love for you to join a volunteer team. Um, and then fourth, this is something to think about in your life group, or if you've got a circle of friends that you inten- do an intentional community with, bless a life group member or a neighbor. Is there someone in your group who has a need? Is there someone in your group who, I don't know, might need some yard work, might need someone to sit down with them to just to spend time with outside of group? Um, Do they need something done? Or as you talk about with your life group, is there anybody that someone in your life group knows who might need a group to come and help them with a project? You know, so if I was in Chad Gray's life group, and I knew, oh, wait, hold on. Chad needs help moving. He's moving house. He bought a house and he's moving his stuff this Saturday, right? And so if I was part of Chad's life group, <laughs> if I was part of Chad's life group, I'd be like, oh, hey, you know what? We should all go help Chad move and his family, you know? Um, and so you could think about something like that, right? Or if Chad was my neighbor. If I was in Bill McCurran's life group and lived two doors away from Chad, I might come to my life group if I was Bill McCurron and say, hey, I have a neighbor who needs help moving. Right, so I'm trying to give you some examples of things that you can do this week. Um, so yeah, bless a life group member or a neighbor that you have or a neighbor of one of the neighbors of your life group. Um, think about something you can do together to help them. Look, when it comes to this, Some of you are going to serve other people with your words. And others of you are going to serve other people with your actions. Okay, some of you are like word oriented, some of you are do oriented. Um, There's room for both in this, there's room for both. So some of you are going to serve, and you're not going to say anything, but you're just going to take care of something for someone. You're going to serve them. You're going to do something for them. Others of you are going to maybe make a phone call or send an email. You're going to um, encourage someone else. Um, Have at it. Like in whatever way God has wired you to serve, go for it. Pray and ask God to open doors and to show you, give you his eyes to see the people around you, and then to step into those opportunities to serve others. And then last, we want to give you a chance to serve the city. Um, and so we've got two opportunities. Mike said one, I think. So Mike, does this mean that no one can go to the, G, the, to the TED salon? It's full. You snoozed and you lost, right? You snoo- you, wait, no, that's not the past tense of snooze and lose. Sorry, you snoozed and you lose No, it doesn't work either. You, 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 oh, thank you, you lost. Appreciate it. It's weird how when you're up here, you can't think of elementary things. Your mind just goes in different places. Well, so um, (laughs) the TED Salon is a chance for someone who is a Christian who's running an organization that's a nonprofit that's not overtly Christian, and so it has incredible support in the community. He's going to get an opportunity to share his story. He's getting an opportunity to tell, man, the city, how Jesus has changed his life. And how, because of what Jesus has done for him, he's now blessing homeless and at risk youth. Man, would you please pray for Brandon and for the David's Harp Foundation on Thursday that God would open up doors of opportunity so that the gospel would find its way into the hearts of people and people would come to love Jesus? You can do that this Thursday. And then Friday, come to Jesus Cares. Come and serve. Take care of people in the name of Jesus. You will be the hands and the feet and the words of Jesus to folks who are homeless and who need so much more than food. So that's what I want to aim you at today. But our third point from this text, the last thing I want to say from this text, is going to help us understand the why underneath the what of our serving. Jesus clearly calls us to serve. He calls us to think about the church as his family. Um, But I want you to see that we've already seen serving Jesus means meeting needs in Jesus' family. We've seen that serving Jesus is inconvenient. Man, third, the last thing I want you to see from this text is that serving is serving Jesus. Okay, serving is serving Jesus. This is the kicker here. Service in this way that Jesus is describing, it's not about following rules. It's not about scoring brownie points. It's not about getting checks, you know, um, checked off in 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 the check boxes. Serving in this way is all about a relationship with Jesus. That's what it's about. Jesus says that everything that you do is intensely personal to him. It's intensely personal. That serving is serving him. Look at verse 40 in your bulletin. Look at, look at verse 40. And the king will answer them, truly I say to you, as you did it to one of the least of these my brothers, you did it to me. Serving others is how you serve him. If you're a follower of Jesus, you have some sense that he has done something for you. You have some sense that he has done so much for you that you're willing to follow him and to do whatever he wants, right? You want with your life. I mean, don't you feel this way sometimes? You're like, Jesus, I just wish there was something I could do to show you how much I appreciate what you've done for me. Jesus, your love for me is overwhelming and I want to show you how much I love you. Jesus is saying the way that you can do that, serving others is serving him. Caring for others is caring for him. I mean, this is amazing. It is wonderful that every time you serve someone in the church, you serving him. Every time you have served someone in the church, you served him. So every time you have served someone and they say, thank you, that's Jesus talking. Jesus is thanking you. Every time you serve someone in the church, and they don't say anything. <laughs> you can still hear the voice of Jesus saying, "Thank you." We don't think about this, but that's what this passage is teaching us. Right? This passage is teaching us that all of our service is intensely personal. That when you serve someone else and meet their needs, you are serving him. The church is the body of Christ. And you can serve him by serving it. And I like what he says here. He says, as you did it to one of the least of these, my brothers. And so any brother or sister of Jesus, however insignificant your response to his family is a response to him. is huge. It's a big deal. And we have to say, because the text says this isn't just amazing and wonderful, but there are some for whom this reality is terrifying. Because every time you refuse to serve one of Jesus's family members, you're refusing to serve Jesus. Every time you didn't do this, verse 45 says, as you did not do it to one of the least of these, you did not do it to me. So every time you ignored someone else's need, you were ignoring Jesus. Every time you were declaring that someone else wasn't worthy of your time, you were declaring that Jesus is not worthy of your time. And Jesus is saying that if you reject me in this life, I will reject you in the next life. That's terrifying. That's terrifying. But we have to remember too that again this is in chapter 25 of Matthew's gospel. And even as Jesus describes the judgment that is coming on some, remember that he is about to go to the cross where he will himself experience the judgment of God. On the cross, Jesus had no food and drink. On the cross, Jesus had no visitors. His disciples all abandoned him. Right? On the cross, Jesus was left sick unto death, And on the cross, Jesus was imprisoned into death for our sins. And so, friends, if your life has been one of ignoring the needs of Jesus' family, he hung on a cross to pay for your sins. For every time you've ignored a need, for every time you've closed your heart, for Christians and non-Christians. Friends, Jesus suffered and died for our sins so that God would adopt us into his family and he would fill us with his love so that what would come out of us, he would take out that stony heart that's closed to the needs of others and give us a soft heart, a heart of flesh that's filled with his own love And so Jesus is calling us in this passage, calling us back to himself. After all that he's done for you, show him how much you love him by serving him, by serving his family. Not to be blessed, but because he has blessed you already with his love. Let's pray. Jesus, we come with hearts that are mixed, with hearts that are convicted about the ways that we have ignored you and your people, but encouraged and, and wanting to come back, wanting to embrace in an even fuller way this reality, that we can serve you by how we serve this, your family. We can serve you, Jesus. Thank you for a passage like this. Thank you for identifying with us as your people. Please forgive our stony hearts. Please forgive our sins. And fill us again with your love. Move us by your powerful and incredible sacrificial love. So that we would get to that place where we think, how can we not serve each other? How can we not love each other? Do your work in us. Send your spirit among us and renew us today. We pray this in your name. Amen.